Did anything happen while we were away? Lamar Jackson. The draft. The Baltimore Ravens. This week on Pod Like a Raven! Time to bring back the big intro. Because, oh my goodness, we have things to discuss, we have things to talk about. It was a wet and wild 24 hours on Thursday, and we are here to discuss it. I am Antonio Barbera. Just a deep exhale for myself, for my co-hosts, for Ravens Nation everywhere, because the two-year saga is finally over. Holy goodness, Lamar Jackson is a long-term Baltimore Raven. Five-year extension. We're going to talk about it before I get too carried away. Let me bring in my co-hosts on the West Coast. Jace, I gave an exhale. Do you need to give an exhale? Do you, a little few more rosary beads that you can finally put away? Where are we on the West Coast with Mr. Jace Evans? It's it's hard. It's I almost don't know what to think, Antonio, because this had draw like dragged out so long, just been so ongoing, just hovering above this franchise, that now it it feels like like almost a dawning of a new era for the team, because it truly feels like like this thing that had just hovered over the team is gone, and now it's just about football again. And I I was telling Tim a little before we got on. This is I think the most excited I've been. About the Ravens in a long time, um, probably since midway through the 2021 season when they had that string of comebacks and, you know, they had clear problems, but it was fun. And Lamar was probably the MVP at the midseason of that year. Um, and the Ravens haven't been all that fun, really, since midway through that season all, all the way until Thursday. And um, yeah, uh, that's kind of, I think, big take. I'm, I'm curious to dive in here and just walk through the day and what it means and all that. But yeah, big picture. I don't know. I'm just very excited for a future of Ravens football that doesn't involve talking about Lamar's contract. Now I will just say, I would love to see that official signing the signing, the paperwork photo tweeted out as soon as possible. Um, and that will really alleviate any, uh, put my final fears to rest. But for now, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can be anything but excited about the future um, because this was the best course of action. And now the Ravens have solved their <laughs> biggest problem for the foreseeable future. On the East coast, Tim horsey, Tim, did you pour one out? Did you pour one in? Uh, where, where were you on, on Thursday? I pour a few in <laughs> um, more, more, more than one. I would say um, I Thursday to asking the location, a few hours before one of my favorite sporting events of the year, because I'm a broken man. I was in a dog park, jumping up and down, hooping it up, screaming, and causing the dogs around me. There was only two of them, don't worry, myself and, and a friend of mine's dog. To go into kind of a bit of a panic, like what's going on, should we be excited too? And start running around, getting the zoomies and what have you because of my elation. Um... I, I, we need to get right into it before I just go off on a rant, but I cannot believe the turn in emotion and optimism that I feel for this Ravens team that I have not felt probably since the 14 and two before the Titans game. Like it's, it's probably there maybe even before, like after a Super Bowl. like that's how excited I am about this team right now. And I can't wait 
to talk about a quarterback who we never said should leave. Not once on this program. <laughs> Not when he requested a trade. That never happened. I'll just address that now. Uh, yeah, I, let's get to it, man. This is, this is going to be a great episode because, uh, for once, it's not melodrama and anxiety and pain. I think it's just a lot of happiness here, and I, I'm going to have some fun with it. It is insane that six weeks ago, Lamar Jackson is requesting a trade. A, a week ago, we do a mock draft where... I said, not out of left field, that the best scenario for this draft was that Lamar Jackson was still on the Ravens by the end of the draft as opposed to having been traded. My, how quickly things can change. Uh, it came pretty much out of nowhere on Thursday morning. The the tweet, the little suggestive tweets start coming out from all the different Ravens beat reporters and all those uh you know, various scoop getters in the NFL. Some of those that I'm not even sure are real people. They seem like bots. Other <laughs> ones are definitely people. And then all of a sudden it was just out there, he, you know, big deal. It's, it's happening five years. Lamar does the video in the car with the phone, which is the most Lamar Jackson. Only he could do this kind of thing with the 10 second video of himself, just chill sitting in the car for his five year, $260 million extension. That's how he announced it. The Ravens are all, all those social media accounts are now simpatico again with Lamar. They're just retweeting each other, sharing each other's stuff. And the entire tone of the day, the entire tone of the draft for the Ravens had shifted. And we have our MVP quarterback. There's like four of them. There's like four active NFL quarterbacks today in the NFL that have won an MVP award. And he's one of them. And he's on the team. We have him for five years. We can put to bed. I was expecting this conversation to last through the summer, through through spring, into the summer, into August, and we're going to be panicking through two days before the season started. No. No more of that. It's over. He's signed. Let's just focus on football, like Jace said. We're going to unpack all of that. And then get into the Ravens draft. Because they also made draft picks, by the way, <laughs> same day. Let's start with this with this deal. Five years, $260 million, $185 million guaranteed. My first thought on the money, fine. Yes, this is basically where the Ravens were for the past 14 months. Uh, I guess the compromise being, in the end that they agreed to top Jalen Hurts' deal that came out a couple weeks ago. And and Lamar Jackson is able to say that he was the highest paid player. But the guaranteed money is exactly as it should be. And kind of in the ballpark that the Ravens were... What happened, guys? What changed here to where all of a sudden he was okay leaving... Okay, quote-unquote, Lamar was okay leaving... 60 70 million dollars of guaranteed money on the table but taking the deal that is reasonable and right and made him the highest paid player in the nfl yeah a couple of things here I, I i really hope we get the book when he retires like i i know that whatever side it's coming from will be a little bit one-sided i want the inside scoop of like what the hell was going on here um, and I would just like to say, we'll get to our general draft preview in a bit. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles continuing to just draft Georgia Bulldogs is probably a really <laughs> smart idea. But the best thing they did for me on draft weekend is give the Ravens a template for Lamar Jackson with the, with the Jalen Hurts deal. The, I, it was 
slightly more than the Ravens originally offered or what the rumor was the Ravens offered. But the Ravens saw that and went, came back to the table and went, look, see that? We'll give you just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And finally, there was some sort of breakthrough, whether it was Lamar was, you know, steadfast this entire time that he wanted fully guaranteed and kind of saw the light. Um, Don't never forget that Deshaun Watson uh, didn't reset the market like every Cleveland Browns fan thought he would. It's just an albatross and an outlier that's going to ruin that miserable franchise and put them in a state that they can't even imagine, and that's tough coming from Browns fans. I, I'm, see, I'm happy again. I just get to crap on <laughs> Browns fans out of nowhere. This is how good I'm feeling. Um, but I think it, it was a lot of that. And, and the only other point I have before I throw it to you, Jace, is for the people that might not be happy with the headline – Lamar highest paid player in the NFL where it's like oh my god Lamar like over the likes of Burrow and over the likes of Josh Allen and over the likes of you know Patrick Mahomes Burrow might be a bad example because of what I'm about to get to this is how these things work and it's not just the players it's not just the play it's not just Lamar Jackson saying I want to be the highest paid player in NFL history this comes a lot of the time from the players association where they want these contracts to keep escalating and escalating to the point where the players keep getting more and more money, which makes sense. Billionaire owners, what have you, and all the money the National Football League is making, players should get paid. So don't just think, and the people, you know, there is obviously a sect of fans who are like, where's Joe Flacco? And just keep wanting to bring him up, wonder why. They think that this deal is is pretty bad, and it's like you don't want, he can't stay on the field, he hasn't won anything, highest paid player. One, that is not just Lamar Jackson. That is how these deals work, and the players all do it together to make sure that they continue to make more money generations down the road. And two, he ain't going to be the highest-paid guy for very long. Joe Burrow, well, we'll see with the Bengals. The Bengals or somebody is going to make Joe Burrow the highest-paid quarterback, and then Justin Herbert will be the highest-paid quarterback, or whichever order it is. If Herbert goes first, then Burrow will be the highest-paid quarterback after that because that's just how these deals work. I'm over the moon about it, man. Like... The, um, uh, you know, the, the point that we got to on this podcast, and, and my, uh, yeah, I'll speak for myself here, of saying, look, if he's putting in trade requests and he don't want to be here, just hard reset it. You know, I, I could speak for the two of you, the amount of even texts we've had, where it's just like, I'm just tired of this. Just, just cut ties like, out, of, out of just pure frustration. All of that came from pure frustration. Every Ravens fan wanted Lamar to sign and sign on a reasonable deal. And that happened. And I cannot – I'm just – I'm just so ecstatic that it finally, after what looked like a nightmare scenario that had no end, no, no resolution, has been tied up in a perfect little purple bow. And it's just, ugh, it's magnificent. Yeah, I've kind of written it off as happening, which is why I think I was so surprised when, you know, excuse me, when a deal came together just because it just seemed like they were so far apart. And, you know, like we talked about, they're making this trade request. But I do think it was directly the Hertz contract that spurred this and i you know i hand up i believe i we said at least i said on the show i don't think the hertz contract will have any impact on lamar turns out it directly did and now i don't know why this one seemed to be the driving force when like you know we mentioned the the deshaun contract but you know two other guys who are roughly his peers one directly his peer and kyler murray Signed contracts after Deshaun Watson last summer, but maybe it's the combination of his deal and Russell Wilson's deal, and then this Hurts contract. I think it was 
probably two things. I think Lamar probably saw that and saw none of those three guys again, and two of those guys in Hertz and Murray directly as peers, directly in the same age category. Even if you know worst players, uh, I think, but um, everyone thinks. Yeah, the, they didn't get the guaranteed money, and. I think the other side of that coin is um, he clearly didn't have an offer from another team uh, for whatever contract he was seeking. I think, you know, we had also talked, I think this was probably around the time the trade request came to light uh, publicly, and we had discussed if there was any path forward. And I think we did say there was, I, you know, 50-50, 60-40, if the money problem was solved. And clearly, I think the Ravens were just offering him more money than any other team. And it kind of, I think, came to a certain point where it was like, the the guaranteed thing's just not happening. No other owners are doing this. I think they made that very clear uh, with their public statements and, you know, probably private uh, statements uh, in, in regards to what they were probably telling each other and complaining about Jimmy Haslam. Uh, how stupid are the Browns? <laughs> how stupid are the Cleveland Browns? How stupid do you have to be to give Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract when in the coming years, he's taken up like 80% of their cap. They're not going to be able to bring in players. How dumb can you? This is the best day ever that we get to talk about this and do this. Oh my gosh. So, so, so yeah, I, I think Lamar probably saw sort of the, you know, he's a smart guy. He saw the writing. He's an NFL quarterback, right? He saw the writing on the wall, saw that he had no other deals coming in. And I think at the end of the day, kind of just said, you know, yeah, it would be nice to have this 260, 100% fully guaranteed. But he's got 185 of it guaranteed. And he's going to see, which is what, right? The second highest guaranteed amount ever. And he's going to see a lot of that money because if this goes well, the Ravens will tack years onto it. Like he'll still, he'll get more money down the line. Uh, you know, it's a five-year deal for a guy who's what, 26, right? So in theory, he's going to play another close to nine years after this contract in theory, uh, you know, health permitting. So, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, he kind of just saw, saw what was out there, which was nothing from teams that weren't the Ravens seemingly uh, and took the deal. And, you know, I, I think it was an annoying process to get there, certainly as a fan. But I think at the end of the day, you know, he got his, he got his and in doing it without an agent, that's like an extra $7 million bucks. I know we had complained about his deal would have happened, and it would have, uh, this deal, basically, if he had an agent. I think, as we said, he's basically getting 10 more guaranteed, $10 million more guaranteed than I think the Ravens offered him in September. Um so, you know, was it long and drawn out? Sure. But I think at the end of the day, they arrived at the right place. The Ravens clearly played this better than I think most people will have given them credit for, including myself, um, because he's still the quarterback. And that was the end result that, you know, best benefited the team. Um, so I think that's sort of how it kind of just ended up happening, just kind of a lack of probably other significant offers. The Ravens clearly still wanting him and not burning that bridge. And yeah, it was weird, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they have them in the building. You have your, um, I, for good, for short and long term, short term, team's great right now in Super Bowl contender. Um, long term, you're not searching for a quarterback. You're not wondering, can we lose enough games to get Drake May in 2024? Uh, you know, because uh, yeah. Caleb, they're not going to be bad enough, even if they didn't have Lamar to get Caleb Williams. So like... Yeah, it just solved so many problems. And so I'm happy they arrived here. I'm surprised it happened. It was annoying. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I'm very, very happy because this was the best path forward for the team. And I think Lamar at the end of the day, I mean, he's got, you know, as we said, the richest, <laughs> he's the highest paid player in NFL history uh, until, like you said, uh, Tim, I'm glad you nailed that until Burrow signs. Cause yeah, this is just how it works. Joe yeah. Flacco was at one point the highest paid player in the NFL. Derek Carr was for a few weeks. Like it just, this is how it happens. Those guys will pass him and I'm sure he'll be annoyed by that. But in the moment, highest paid player in NFL history, 52 million in a year. Right. So I, I, I think it was long and drawn out, but we arrived at the right end result. I'm looking through the MVPs. I just wanted to uh, hone in on that little factoid <laughs> that I threw out to the, uh, to the listeners. Active MVPs in the league right now, just have ever having gotten an MVP, an MVP. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and not include Matt Ryan as an active player because I, I, <laughs> I'm not sure he, but I guess technically he is. He's 37. Aaron Rodgers is, is one of the active guys. He's 39. The other name is Patrick Mahomes. He's won it twice. And then Lamar Jackson. That's it. Those are the active NFL players with an MVP to their name, and we have one of them. From between ages 26 and 30 as a quarterback. And I'm very excited about it. And I'm excited because one of my main complaints a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, they all blend together for this <laughs> not happening, was that the defense was just coming right into its own with that nice core group of players that are all like 25, 26, 27. Like it's a win in the next, you know, win from now to the next two years, three years, defense needed a couple of tweaks offensively, which they have made in the past couple of weeks. Everything was just packaged together, and we had that one giant question mark at the top that is now answered. I want to talk a little bit about the timing of it. I, I did the, I kind of went through the timeline of the day and the morning and the tweets coming in, but the fact of this happening the same day as the draft is obviously important to the Ravens number one knowing what type of players they needed to draft that evening um but also number two once the draft got underway you know let's pretend we're into the second or third rounds or you know that kind of thing any offer sheets that teams would have made after that would mean that the Ravens first round picks that they got in exchange would move to starting in 2024 which would have made them less valuable so if we're pretending that the Colts were interested in an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson, their first round pick this year was number four, which obviously would have been tremendously valuable. But after the draft, what is that first round pick going to be for a Lamar Jackson-led Colts team? It's probably not in the top 10, probably not in the top 15. So if if we had waited there was a chance that that number one pick was then going to become something in the 20s, maybe for back-to-back years, as opposed to something in the top 10 at least that first year. Did the Ravens factor that in? Did they consider that? Maybe maybe they knew already that teams weren't interested, you know, all the GM or all the uh, owner circles of, you know, we're not, you know, we're going to band together here. I don't know. But it was certainly interesting that they did it that morning because of how many things it was. I got, I got somebody outside right now yelling. I don't know if you guys can hear that. They're also excited about the Lamar Jackson situation. They're, they're, they're very excited in D.C. as well. Um, but yeah, just fascinating that it happened that morning, and you, the Ravens just had such a clear picture moving forward about roster building at the most important time uh, of the calendar for them in terms of who to draft. 
and what they no longer had to freak out about. That 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 fear of kind of an offer sheet was hanging over me, Antonio. I think we talked about it even in our mock, like a team like the Falcons make that pick at eight and then scoop in and try to sign Lamar. A team like the Colts, like you said, pick make a pick at four, say take a defensive stud, and then trade it. So it was just such a yeah, it, like a, 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 such a weight lifted off, and that yeah, you're like wow, we do have our quarterback. And now we can do X. And that was what made the draft exciting. Because all of it, I wasn't really looking forward to the draft as much as I usually do. Just because I, I was like, yeah, are they, like, best case scenario, They tr- like, if it was in a trade, like, Lamar's not on the team scenario, your best case is you trade him for a top 10 pick. And then you're taking a complete unknown. And I didn't want that. And even worse would be, you know, you know Levis starts falling. And they know they're like Lamar's out the door. You take a Will Levis at 22. No, they got to take the player they wanted to take. And that made the draft very exciting uh, for that scenario. And um, I'm excited to see it. Like I said, like, yeah, it just, it, it just all the planning of the franchise just makes so much more sense now. It's like, we have Lamar locked in. We can take Zay Flowers, not to spoil the draft too much. What? Todd Munkin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, it was just really, to, to have it happen before the draft, it just made me be like, you know, the draft, the rest of today's gravy, because the Ravens have the most important piece of the roster figured out in a way they didn't 12 hours before. And let me just add one little caveat to all of this. Um, thank God it got done before the draft, and all the points you guys have made are, co- are completely accurate. The reporting around it was, I won't say infuriating. There was one particular tweet that really drove me up the wall. I get the, your Jay Glazers, your Adam Schefters, your Ian Rappaport, your newsbreakers, right? The guys that we all follow that we've continued to follow, even though they don't have the blue check no more, uh, to, to figure out the news, right? But, and I'm not just, not that it matters on, on this tiny little enterprise that we have here. I'm not going to just call people out. But there was one tweet of, just got a text. Ravens fans will be very happy very soon. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? That is purely just clickbait. It was you trying to be first to a story, even though you weren't allowed to report it yet. So it's technically not you first to a story. And that just really pissed me off. From that moment on, which was about an hour, I think, I was just doom scrolling. Again, not paying attention to my lovely dog in this dog park. Just doom scrolling Twitter, checking for updates. Then it was Glazer. Lamar, there was been a major breakthrough. Not probably, didn't, he didn't really say this, but it was the, the insinuating that this could come in the coming days. And then it was, oh, wait, it could be mere hours. And then it was done. All of that, you know, as, as much as that pains you as a fan, because you're like, just do it, just do it, just do it. I need to see the update. I need to see the update. I need to see the update. That, I get that part of the, the job. Like Jay Glazer coming out and saying this is the news he has. And then they all call their sources. And they all get more clarification on the situation. The Ravens tweet, the SpongeBob gif. That Lamar tweeted a few days before. Jason shaking his head. I loved it because that's when I knew the deal was done. Um, but the I have some big news that you're not allowed to know about, but it's probably going to make you very happy. Like that. That sh- just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. But you know, it is my small 
tiny little tiny little nitpick in this wonderful wonderful news we have the other thing too i think you know antonio's really hit this point home you know one of the four mvps and something that we've mentioned even in our darkest days of well just let him go you can't let these guys walk out of the building the ravens let a lot of good players walk out of the building because they kind of have to because they're typically good at drafting and developing players but they always know the guys to keep the guys to this is a dude that we have to build around you know who's number one on that list above probably every player that's walked through that those hollowed halls in Owings Mills? The MVP of the National Football League at the most important position in American sports. That's probably the guy you got to keep in your building. Credit to him for doing it. All the crap that EDC and that front office and Steve Bishotti took for, I don't know, two years now. Good on him for hanging tough and good on Lamar for doing it by himself. Another point that a lot of people brought up that I think is smart. He saved himself uh, upwards of, at most, I think around $7 million. People are like, oh, well, he's getting all that guaranteed money. $7 million is still $7 million. Good on Lamar and good on his mom, who was apparently like his kind of negotiating partner in this, for saying, no, we don't need an agent. Drew Rosenhaus, stop calling the McAfee show <laughs> saying you want to you wanna be his agent. Stop. I can do this on my own. And he did it. Credit to all sides. Now let's go win a freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, I love that. So I'm, I'm going to use that point as the final final pivot to try to you know tie a little bow on this um we can finally stop with the espn first take gossip girl level drama of what's going on between lamar and his instagram and the ravens and their twitter accounts and all those things so instead i'm going to hit you with another first take uh type topic (laughs) because why not uh and that is the future let's try to predict the future guys and dare I say, this is basically a personality test for the three of us, but whatever. Will Lamar Jackson end up as a Mount Rushmore player for the Ravens five years from now? Or will this contract be Joe, Joe Flacco 2.0? If, if, we're sticking, if we're sticking Mount Rushmore to specifically just top like four players in history... For the Ravens, just for the Ravens. Not, not yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Sorry, for Ravens history is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to say that he's closer to that than an albatross, but not quite there. And part of that, if not to get philosophical here, part of that is you're always going to put your Mount Rushmore of the guys that you grew up watching, your formative years of watching football. My top four is always going to be, you know, Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden, Ed Reed, Ed Reed probably a cut above, and T. Sizzle. And there might be a couple other people that I could throw in there too. Um, you know, Kelly Gregg, obviously, you know, as a guy that would definitely be in that Mount Rushmore. I'm kidding. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say that. But if you win, if you set the over-under at one and a half Super Bowls and he does that, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if he does that in his time as a Ravens player – that's put him right there, chisel him right there next to Ed. That is that is Mount Rushmore material. I don't think it'll be an albatross. It, like barring any sort of just it's it's injury after injury after injury again. Albatross, like the the Flacco albatross to me is they didn't really know how to work with the salary cap. The salary cap wasn't nearly as big as it is now in terms of signing players, and the team just was boring and mediocre. At the very least, you know with Lamar Jackson, you're usually winning a lot of football games. Whether it's in the big moments, in the playoffs, you know, that's that's remains to be seen on a consistent basis. But the team's exciting. 
and the team is winning some games. And I think uh, I think they'll continue to do that in these five years. I think that is exciting, just the idea that, like, now when the Ravens are brought up on first take, which will be almost never now because there's not anything exciting to say about them because they're otherwise good run. It will just be, can Lamar win in the playoffs? We're just back to that. That will be our first take conversation on the Ravens once again. But um, that being said, I don't think this contract can be an albatross. Um, Just because of the years he, he is as a player. Now, Tim, you're right. Uh, it, I think it's, if it is, it's entirely injury related. He just can't stay on the field. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's a concern. Uh, you know, I, it's not great. He hasn't played in December the last two years. He hasn't finished a game in the month of December, <laughs> two straight years. And you know, he tweets about, I want to be playing in January. It's like, well, to get to January, you have to play in December <laughs> first. Like it just has to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that is, has been frustrating, but I do will say with the contract situation looming over him, if he does get hurt again, it's just like, Oh dang, that stinks. There's not a, is he sitting out to protect his contract? All that's, all that's gone. And now it's just, he's hurt. He's hurt, you know? And, um, so that's good. So I think like, that's the only way it could become an issue. But even then, I don't think it could be a Dalbatross because unlike Flacco, um, Lamar's just way better. He's way more important directly to what the Ravens do. He is the driver of wins and losses for this team on the offensive side of the football, almost entirely in a way Flacco, you know, who was a good quarterback, but never was there. They were never that reliant as reliant to win on Joe Flacco as they are on Lamar Jackson. Um, and that's why I just, I don't think it, it can be an albatross. Cause I, yeah, I just think Lamar's better. And in terms of his place historically, I, you know, I do think Jonathan Ogden is a little underrated. You kind of go back and look at all those all pros and you're like, Oh, he was just like the best offensive lineman in the league year in and year out at left tackle. And he blocked for the worst quarterbacks in the league every single season. But, uh, I think Lamar can get there. I already think like certainly skill wise, he's already the most talented He's already the Ravens' best skill player of all time. And if you add five more good seasons on top of that, I think he can break through. He's certainly the most popular player on the team right now. He's the face of the franchise. What is he, 45 and 16, right, as a starter? Like, they win games when the guy plays. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I think if, like, the big thing is just stay on the field in December, man. Like, that's what's been so disappointing the, the last two seasons. But I'm optimistic. Like, it can't happen three straight years, right? Um, so, yeah, if he fails, that's why. It's just the injuries, all the hits he's taken start to take their toll. Um, and he can't adapt to that as much if, you know, he has to run less, all that kind of stuff. But even that, I think, like, I just think he's so much better than Flacco ever was that I like, I don't think it can be an albatross because I don't think he'll ever be dragging down. Like he won't be so mediocre that he's just dragging the team down around with him, which was certainly the case with Joe kind of at the end of that deal for, for certain. Yeah, I, I agree. Shockingly. I agree with the two of you <laughs> on the positive side of this, the Flacco stuff. He walked into an amazing defense and at times just had to sort of, exist uh, offensively hand the ball off make a couple of deep throws get a pass interference here and there and make some plays which he specifically did in the playoffs because he so much didn't care about what he was doing that when everybody else's blood pressure rose in the playoffs he was exactly the same as he was which is why he was so successful in the postseason but they also won multiple playoff games where he was essentially just like the absence of a quarterback they beat the patriots he threw he completed like four balls 
they beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. I think he completed like ten passes. Uh, ooh, I had a third. Oh, the Titans game when they they went the, his rookie year. I think he had like one throw that entire game to Derek Mason that was underthrown by like ten yards, and he caught it and scored a touchdown. That was it for that game. Lamar Jackson, as as you guys have said, he is the engine. Uh, he's been successful. Just stay healthy. My dad and I had the classic, classic generational uh, oh, divide yeah. argument about how his sticking point is the whole, yeah, would love to see him play in the games that matter in December. Uh, he cannot be convinced otherwise that Lamar may have been banged up, but he could have played if he wanted to, and he didn't because he was protecting the contract status, to which I said, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Now we can just go out and play. <laughs> and he said, oh... You mean now that he has $185 million guaranteed, once he gets banged up, he's going to want to go play as opposed to sit on his couch? And I said, we'll see. And he said, we'll see. And that's where we're at. <laughs> we now have to see. Nice. The money is there. What is he going to be now when he does inevitably have the bumps and the bruises come December? Is he going to take his money and be comfortable? Or is he going to say, you know, at this point, you took care of me. Time for me to take care of you. And I'm going to go out there and win December football games. We'll see. We'll see. Um, let's turn now to the NFL draft. Same day, because all this stuff has to get all <laughs> crunched together for us to discuss. The Ravens, they had a quarterback at that point, long term. And so they kept the surprises going. They didn't trade back. And they stayed at 22 and drafted a, p- p- a football player at 22. Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. We were texting and talking all throughout the first round uh questions of whether they were going to go corner it looks like a looked like a couple of guys were dropping a little bit and then they kind of kind of got snatched up uh, in the teens the wide receivers were all there and a few names were still available at wide receiver when it got to the ravens but they end up going with the uh the little speedster out of boston college thoughts on that selection both positionally and the specific player that they chose to be wide receiver one. I don't know. So to be a wide receiver on this Baltimore Ravens offense. I, so I wasn't too surprised. It seemed like the Ravens were very enamored in Zay flowers. There was a lot of mocks, uh, that, you know, had people sending them to him and nearly ours, except I was a coward and traded down <laughs> to not make that choice. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm not too surprised. I guess I'm, I am a little surprised they didn't trade down just cause they love picks and, um, uh, yeah, they only reacquired one pick and that was not from trading down. It was from trade trading <laughs> future picks. Um, so I was a little surprised they didn't trade down, but, um, you know, I think it makes sense. You re-sign Lamar, you're like, let's make him happy now. Uh, and you, you take the wide receiver. I think uh, certainly there's probably some corners they would have taken, but as we'll get to with their, their next selection, the Ravens stick to their board. So if they took flowers, I I'm kind of led to believe he was their top guy, um, on their board and they didn't really reach for him. I like him as a player. I've, I've really come around on him. You know, he's, he's not big. He's five, nine. Um, so, you know, shades of Hollywood Brown in, in that sense, but he seems like kind of a different player and I'm optimistic. Uh, the, the most ringing endorsement is Steve Smith Sr. Loves this guy. Um, specifically, he cited, he said, quote, balance, body control, his in and out, and his yak. All great. And he also asked, when they were talking about his height, he said, you know how tall he is? 
He's playmaking ability. That's how tall he is. So, Same. Does that make In. sense? Not Same. really, but if Steve Smith said it with so much conviction, I said, yes, Steve Smith Sr., I agree with you. So I'm excited. And, and I think the other thing that is interesting with Flowers is um, just like his production – like what's exciting, I guess, in comparison to a guy like Hollywood Brown at a similar height, but obviously a different profile in many ways, um, was his production on a team that was just straight up bad for the most part. He was really productive and the only thing Boston College had, and he still got open and he still made plays for just this awful three-win team uh, and where he was the only real weapon. And here's something that's nice. He, he, didn't, he didn't miss a single game in college, even despite his height, uh, which obviously we came into Hollywood Brown's rookie year already with his foot, Rodney's foot or whatever it was. So hopefully none of that going on with yeah, how many rings. how many screws does zay flowers have in his foot before showing up to raven's camp that was off-season uh injury thing I, so that's just my quick on zay flowers big picture it is funny though like as the, the lamar news was so overwhelming that it kind of like it, in the lead up to the draft i wasn't super excited for this draft because i said i don't know what's going on with lamar uh, it, it, the, that question looms over everything. But then after this news emerged, I said, well, this is the biggest thing that can happen for the Ravens today. None of the rest really matters. It's all kind of gravy. And that's how I felt about the entire draft. Uh, like, I like the class, and I think Zay Flowers is fine. But, like, for me, we we left draft day in that round one, and all I said was, hey, the Ravens are agreed to a deal with Lamar, and also they drafted a wide receiver. That's fine. Uh, it, you know, I feel like in years past, I certainly would have had a lot stronger feelings about Zay Flowers. I mean, this is three round one receivers in five years. Um, that's yeah. I'm just I'm he- I'm hearing I'm hearing Jace real quick. Just hearing Jace's. They have done everything they can to support Lamar. Like they've done everything. <laughs> they keep drafting receivers. So. Yeah. So like that's um, and from that side of things, that's why I, I kind of like the Flowers pick, just in the sense where it's like. We should be good now. <laughs> like this, the room is rounded out. It's like you can't just keep drafting wide receivers in the first round. So, you know, if I have any hesitations, it's three and five years. I'm like, oh my god. But you know, Beckham's on a one year deal. I do not expect Odell Beckham on this team in 2024. I'd, I'd be surprised. Uh, we'll see. But um, you know, I think it's a play for now, a play for the future. I don't know how much he'll play, given that the room is suddenly strangely fuller for a team that had nothing uh, last, this time last year. So that's, I guess, comforting. But yeah, the uh, part of me was sad they didn't draft a defensive player, just because I like them better, I've realized, over <laughs> the course of my life watching uh, Trenton Simpson highlights, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think on the whole, I like the pick. I'm curious what you guys kind of thought and your thought process going into it yeah a couple things here i mean just to start after the lamar news breaks you know mere hours before this they could have picked me <laughs> at, at that with that pick and i would have been happy and not even for myself just not caring like finish the drink they picked tim horsey great great value there at 22 um i will say i and i'm not one to usually get nah, fold's the wrong word but like really buy the hype I was all in on the DeAndre Hopkins train for whatever reason I just thought that was gonna happen like signed sealed delivered he didn't even get dealt the entire you know process here in the draft he's still at Arizona Cardinals Arizona Cardinals so 
as soon as Flowers went, you were like, well, he's not getting dealt to the Ravens this weekend because, as Jay said, the room is loaded. But there's the South Florida connection with Lamar, which I know shouldn't mean something, but it does to those guys in South Florida. Uh, having a number of them on the team already, you can kind of tell uh, what that is. And a couple of adding on to a couple of points you made, just by you know reading a bunch of stuff and watching highlights afterwards, the Hollywood comparison is fine because he's a first round pick that's small and went to the Ravens. They couldn't be more different players. Hollywood had one route deep, <laughs> and it was and it was. 50-50 if he's going to catch the ball. Now, Zay did have some drop issues last year, according to PFF, I believe. It was uh, – I don't have the exact it, – it was like nine drops, I think, which could be a problem. But Zay could do everything. He lines up in the slot, which is why I think he's going to start for this team coming out of the gate with three three wide receivers, the way Todd Munkin wants to play, which I'm sure we'll get to as well. He is an incredible route runner, something that we knew Hollywood never really was. He's incredible at the catch point, especially for being 5'9". You mentioned playing for BC. The amount of highlights you see where the the, uh, quarterback just throws it up and is really bad and Zay still somehow comes down with the ball, that is a very good skill to have, uh, you know, to to just basically be able to locate, get up to the ball, and catch it over cornerbacks and stuff I think is fantastic. 78 catches, uh, 1,077 yards, and 12 touchdowns on that Boston College team. And he ranked top 20 nationally in yards after the catch with 503 per PFF last year with, um, with Boston College. Todd Munkin likes to throw the ball way more than Greg Roman did. Todd Munkin likes having wide receivers uh, play a significant role in his offense. Todd Munkin had the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin led uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Jameis. When I think Jameis like had was might have been the year he had five thousand yards and was, thirty yeah. picks, <laughs> and thirty touchdowns. They are going to use this guy in a bunch of different ways, and he is just going to be able to be a yak monster. I think I you know I think the 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 prevailing point is I always get a little bit worried when the Ravens draft a first round <laughs> wide receiver because literally none of them have ever hit, but. In this land of optimism that we're at here in early May, uh, I tend to get really, really excited at the prospect of Odo Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Isaiah Likely, Devin DuVarnay. Like, I'm t- it's taking me that long to get to those two options when late last year we were basically like, throw the ball to Likely. He's pretty good. He was great in preseason because we had nothing else. I saw two highlights of Zay Flowers. I'm going to keep it keep it short the one tim alluded to uh it's a deep route and he is seven yards behind his man and the ball is so underthrown he has to run <laughs> sprint right back into coverage <laughs> to catch it but he still catches it and then still is able to deke past a few guys and get some yards second highlight that i saw was um where he's basically it's like a goal line type play uh and he's in motion and he starts maybe on the outside and then he motions into the slot and he does that route that I think 28 of the teams in the NFL have down pat at this point, and the Ravens can neither defend it and nor use it to their own uh, help offensively. It's Trash. just that like little back and forth quick motion right before the snap, fake the in, and then just go out, and then you catch the touchdown, and nobody t- nobody touches you. Uh, go ahead and check out the Jaguars two point conversion against us last season to to know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. He did that like three times and was untouched into the end zone and I said, "Yes, that's what we need. That's what I want." Um that's four touchdowns for him and the Ravens next season without him getting any better or learning anything. 
Uh, and it's a great addition. And my goodness, the wide receiver room is better than it was a year ago when we had the James Prochet Award that we were given to James Prochet uh, every other week <laughs> in the offseason. He's probably not going to be on the team this season, and he was like wide receiver two uh, by late last year. Next pick in the third round, no second round pick. Um, let me take it back. Second round pick, Roquan Smith. Well done us, all pro, mm. middle linebacker, signed to a long-term deal to anchor the defense for the same exact five years that Lamar Jackson is going to be there. There's ah! your anchor. There's your anchor on both sides of the ball, and we move. Ah! And, we, and we move. So that was the second round. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize, listeners. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> we were getting really really down the past few months and we have so much more fun now so many more positive episodes ahead of us third round pick trenton simpson inside linebacker clemson maybe a little bit confusing who knows um i don't know who's gonna read this i think this is tim's bit uh with the quote from the athletic it's a good one because i have no idea what this player is gonna end up being he's either gonna be ray lewis or he's not gonna make the roster by (laughs) september i'm very confused tim Trenton Simpson, take it away. <laughs> yeah, so I just I, – because I, I'll let Jace go, obviously. Clemson guy, Jace has probably seen a lot more of him than uh, both Antonio and I. This is from Deontay Lee, who is one of their, like, scout guys of the athletic, really focuses on defense too, uh, really interesting to listen to. And they've been doing, like, here's how he'll fit in, here's kind of who the player he is for, you know, the dullards like myself. Again, quote, Trenton Simpson is a click-and-close type at linebacker, flying to the ball from depth and using his explosiveness as a blitzer. He does need to develop the finer details of his game to fix his issues, like missing tackles because he's out of balance or lunging, and he's going to need time to develop a feel in zone coverage. Sound like anybody you know? Sound like the guy whose fifth-year option they just uh, did not pick up as of Monday in Patrick Queen? Sound like the guy who tweeted, Sheesh, shut up, Patrick Queen. We're, this is a, we're no drama anymore in the Ravens organization. Get out of here. Um, did you tweet sheesh after the pick was made? Kind of sounds like we just got Patrick Queen again uh, to, play, to play next to Roquan Smith, Jace. I don't know if, I, if I'm right on that. Yeah, in conjunction, that was my immediate thought when I saw we drafted an inside linebacker, uh, which just as an aside, um, this, if you have any doubts that the Ravens are picking best player available 99% of the time, uh, I I submit to you this pick when they had not drafted a cornerback, had not drafted anyone, again, as we said, their second round pick, which Eric DaCosta had even talked about, was Roquan Smith. And they, they just, next round, inside linebacker again. And by all accounts, they got great value. Uh, on uh, Dane Brugler's, you know, big board, the athletic guy, uh, he had um, he, he had uh, Simpson ranked 38th overall. And uh, the Ravens got him at 86. <laughs> so, uh, and by many accounts on, on Brugler's board, he had, uh, he had Simpson as his number two inside linebacker. So they they did they got value here, and I think there is talent here. Simpson played a lot for, you know, middle linebacker for for really good Clemson defenses. Filled up the stat sheet in pretty much every category, and I'm a, I guess a little more optimistic in that he did seem to play. I think more than Patrick Queen at least has more playing experience coming to the Ravens. But yeah, I mean this there's no denying this is a, a best player available pick, uh, and I think certainly spells sort of. I mean, there was questions if they were going to trade Patrick Queen, and I don't 
know necessarily personally that that's going to happen because I think if they were going to, they were going, they should have done it at the draft and gotten a pick for this draft. Um, I could see this being a Kyle Hamilton, Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams situation where they kind of all three play together and then, you know, next offseason PQ, you had a good run. Let's take that third or fourth round compensatory selection that we'll get from you for, for signing with a different team. I could see that very happening. Um, so yeah, I am not, I don't think Patrick Queen's long for the Ravens with this move, but I also think he, there, I, I wouldn't rule him out being on the team this year. Um, and just on Simpson should say, saw this nugget via Jeff Zarebic. I kind of assumed this, uh, in the pick. I think we even texted about it. Um, but via Jeff Zarebic quote, Ravens coach John Harbaugh already mentioned that special teams coordinator, Chris Horton was all in on Simpson. So you knew when they were drafting an inside linebacker. I was like, oh, this guy definitely is going to play special teams yeah. uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the best player available. I do think this pick would have driven Ravens fans insane if the Lamar news hadn't come out. If if we're But drafting, you can't hurt us. You yeah. can't hurt us. <laughs> but, but, but everyone's thinking of the Lamar move. I don't think too many people, including me, batted an eye. But, you know, the more you stare at this pick, the more you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I will say, watching all those highlights of Simpson, I really enjoyed it. And of all the players that drafted, his highlights were my favorite to watch. <laughs> Just all over the field, making tackles. I love defensive players. Uh, did I get exactly sucked in to the same exact things with Patrick Queen? Of course. But... Oh, I was locked in that Patrick Queen was going to be like the we best were fired up when they drafted Patrick Queen, just like we were fired up when they drafted Rashad Bateman. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's always kind of that feeling for me on draft day. But you know, time will tell. But I think they got good value, and yes, I think nearer long or at least in the long term, I think this is kind of the beginning of the end for Patrick Queen in Baltimore. So real quickly before we move on, because I know you know we've been running a bit long. I think you're exactly right on how this is going to play out. You know, obviously Queen does the sheesh thing. I think it's really not that big of a deal. Like, all these guys kind of do it. He'll get in the building. He'll be fine. And I think he'll kind of realize, like, hey, I need to ball out to go get my contract and get paid by someone that's not going to be us. Because, again, the the Ravens have made just, just – what, what happens here, I guess we should explain this a little more context – because uh, Patrick Queen was a first-round pick, they get to pick up a fifth-year option, meaning that not this year, but next year would be his final year with the Ravens before having to sign a new deal. It's the benefit of drafting players in the first round. You get that fifth-year option as the team. The Ravens decided not to pick that up uh, because that would pay him $12.72 million based on, I believe it's like an average of the top salaries or something like that uh, whatever the it's not the franchise tag but it's something close to that so he would have been paid 12.72 million dollars in his fifth year option this comes from joel Corey, who i believe is usa today jace maybe not i can't remember he's he's a cap analyst type of guy uh he said only two off-ball linebackers in free agency signed for 10 million per year or more this offseason being tremaine edmonds and bobby okereke so roquan smith you made him the, the top player at this position financially. You're not going to be paying a second guy above what the free agents were getting this offseason with the $12.72 million. Um, and hopefully I explained that well. It, it was just kind of right on the wall for Patrick Queen. He was phenomenal last year. 
after Roquan Smith came into the fold. <laughs> and you kind of expect the same thing with Trenton Simpson. I, I think that it'll be very much, you know, Mike McDonald likes having pieces. He likes having little chess things to play with. And I think what they're going to do is very similar to Kyle Hamilton and Chuck Clark uh, and Marcus Williams, like Jace mentioned uh, previously, rotate them in, find the best spots for them, get them on the field in lighter packages when they're just sending guys at the quarterback, get him some reps, some NFL reps before, you know, hopefully he takes over a, a starting role uh, after Patrick Queen's departure next year. I was looking through – I was trying to find the uh, the linebacker that the Ravens had last year, and I can't remember his name, and I'm disappointed. The linebacker who has been on the Ravens eight different times uh, throughout his career. Josh oh, Bynes. Josh Bynes. He, was, <laughs> he started the season uh, as one of the Ravens' like main inside linebackers. It's good to have depth at this position, just like it's good to have depth at every position in the NFL. So while Patrick Queen is still here, it is great to have Trenton Simpson. If one of them gets hurt, if you want to mix in guys, like this is a good problem to have, um, you know, fourth year linebacker who flies around and misses tackles, rookie linebacker who flies <laughs> around and misses tackles, por que no los dos, uh, says me. So that, <laughs> those are my thoughts on Trenton Simpson. Next pick. Tavius Robinson, edge out of Ole Miss. I will be honest, I did not watch a ton of Ole Miss film uh, in the past couple of weeks, but in the highlights that I saw after we drafted him, looks like good power, not so much speed and fluidity uh, coming out of Robinson. Jace, I'm going to assume you have a little bit more uh, on what he brings. Yeah, not a ton, uh, truthfully. Oh, you know, it always uh, scares me a little bit when you drafted defensive players from teams whose defenses aren't all that great over the last few years seems like a common thing right like football fan versus gm like their defense sucked don't pick any of those guys yeah, we, you, you touched on them tim uh the eagles keep drafting players from the best college football defense and it turns out they go to the super bowl there might be a corollary there but uh as it pertains to robinson you know he is huge 6'6 257 he's a little older too he's 24 years old he um he, he started his college football journey uh, a little later in American college football because he actually started playing Canadian college football because he's from Ooh. Canada. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I the more I think about it, obviously, like, this is a position the Ravens need depth in as we, we bemoaned, sort of. And this kind of ties in, I think, a little to keeping Patrick Queen, who I think has the potential to be one of the Ravens' best pass rushers uh, this season just because... They lose, obviously, Calais Campbell. Um, you, you assume a guy like JPP is not going to be back. Justin Houston, TBD. Um, so that makes sense. You know, I think edge is always a position you can never have too many of. And even if, you know, I don't, this guy certainly isn't a world breaker, you know, when you're drafting him in, what, the fourth round, right? He goes. Um, you're not expecting a Hall of Famer <laughs> in the fourth round, but it's always good to just pick up pick up depth. And you know he is big, which is promising. Six six, you can't teach that. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, and yeah, hopefully he just develops and uh, they can. Uh, he'll be in the rotation. You probably will twenty snaps a game. He won't. He won't be super prominently involved. I I have my doubts, but uh, yeah, I think this is a position you always are just looking to to, to add to and. Uh, I always seemingly always a need for the Ravens, especially in recent years. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the main points that I want to talk about a little bit. Um, you know, when we get down to the free agents, I think, you know, corner is an obvious need. I think edge is a sneaky need because like, just like another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later here in the Ravens draft. Oh, he's an injury stash and he'll be great the following season. And, you know, we don't know what the deal is with David Ajabo. Like we don't, we saw a little bit of him last season and he could just be another guy that, you know, they, they missed in terms of a pick. Like it could, it could very much be that, um, I, the one thing I will say, it reminds me, Tavius Robinson reminds me of a classic Pernell McPhee, Matt Judon, big pass rusher, the Ravens draft late, and then try and develop into a guy that will leave in four years after he <laughs> registers like a 10-sack season. Um, but, contributes, but contributes for the team. So, you know, that's probably the ceiling here. But if it's another rotational piece, um, you know, it it is what it is. But I think even with Robinson Ojabo coming back, I think Edge is a probably one of the bigger needs on this team if they really want to be a true Super Bowl contender. Jace, you know how tall Tavius Robinson is? Six six. No, he's playmaking ability <laughs> tall. That's how tall he is, and he's ready to make That's plays. Right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the next three guys together because we're at picks five, rounds five, six, and seven. Um, Kelly Blue Book, corner, Stanford. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's Q Blue Kelly, <laughs> corner out of Stanford. I didn't even come up with that. I just stole it. I stole it from Twitter, but it was some random, you know, first name, bunch of numbers account. So they're not going to see it. Kelly Blue Book out of Stanford, uh, big physical corner. Um, boy, the next name. Let's go for it. Uh, Male Sala Almave Laulu. Uh, tackle slash guard out of Oregon. What I saw out of him, quick feet. If he gets a hold of you, it's over. But obviously a developmental pick in the sixth round on the offensive line. And then my pick, my favorite, not my favorite pick, but a pick that I very much am into. Um, the seventh round pick. The Ravens coming back, trading back in to the seventh round, sort of out of nowhere, to take Andrew Voorhees, uh, guard slash tackle out of USC, I take Tim's point very well. It's true. We don't know what we're getting. There's no guarantee after a major injury, these guys come back and they're the same exact player they were before the injury. But for a seventh round pick, this is a first team all American in 2022. I mean, I, I, I know enough after seeing him like the, the, you know, play like a Raven grind that he had with the torn ACL saying, I'm doing the bench anyway, get out of the way. I'm doing the bench press. And then he had more reps than any other player at the combine. And he did it with one knee. Uh, I'm in to that type of a type of a dude. Um, and it's just good value to me. This was a third round pick, fourth round pick prospect before he got hurt. And the Ravens only gave up a sixth round pick to get him. So next year, when we don't have a sixth round pick, we just turn to, in theory, a healthy Andrew Voorhees, foreheads, Voorhees, and we say, there he is. He's our sixth-round pick, and he's healthy now, and he's a fourth-round talent that we got by giving up a sixth-rounder. It's so Ravens. It's so Browns to give up the pick. I, I'm so positive it's going to work out because the Browns made this trade, and the Browns <laughs> mess things up for themselves all the time. So because it's the Browns pick, 
this guy ends up winning a, you know, gaining a Pro Bowl uh, nod as a Baltimore Raven offensive lineman. And I'm just into it. I'm into it as a seventh rounder. Um, and we'll see. Of course, we'll see. But I have, I have optimism there. I'll just say quickly on these guys because I don't have a ton to add to any of them. On, on the Voorhees thing, didn't know about doing the reps at the combine on the knee. So I'm in. That, that, lock it up. That's fine with me. And kind of the same point with, uh, with Tavius Robinson. I think in order of needs, the top one, in, if, you, if I'm making a top three, the top one is corner. The third is probably edge. And that one right in the middle is guard. Um, left guard, especially if Ben Cleveland like just can't finally claim this job, even though they so desperately want him to, um, you know. So if Voorhees recovers well and, and kind of shows that grit and determination to take that job over in 2024, I mean, you're cooking with gas there. And like you said, Antonio, it's an incredible value. It worries me that no one else took the flyer though. Like I know it was one of the he's a classic guy that played tackle, but probably will play guard in the league, but. Nobody took a chance for a guy that was apparently supposed to be like a day two player, second, third round pick, and then fell to the point where the Ravens had to be like, all right, all right, all right, we'll come back in and take him. That is a little bit concerning to me. Yeah, that that does give you pause, uh, especially given, obviously, how we've been burned by injuries. I, I texted you guys a tweet about someone was like, uh, you know, this is like a, a flyer on Jawan James. It's like, well, he tore his Achilles you know, 12 minutes into week one. So that's probably not a good good comparison, not what you want. But I do think Voorhees intrigues me, Antonio, of all the late round picks the most. And for the reasons you said, it, it, the talent, you know, drafting him kind of obviously under slot. And uh, Tim, you met, you, like, you mentioned Cleveland. I mean, right guard could be a question too. Kevin Zeitler is in his mid 30s. There's no yeah, guarantee true. he's on the team true. next year either. Um, and then, you know, uh, right tackle is going <laughs> to – that's a future quite a constant, constantly revolving door of questions. I don't know if we can believe Morgan Moses will still be around. But, uh, um, yeah, so I, I like that pick a lot. Um, have almost zero opinion on the Oregon guy. Uh, as you said, he seems like a developmental tackle. Everyone was like, yeah, there's some intriguing stuff. Got to get better, though. <laughs> So you're always just like, okay. Uh, but again, depth on the offensive line, interior especially, it seems like. So um, an area need. I am intrigued by Kelly um, for a few reasons. i would seen him in Stanford games, obviously, just here and there. Now, Stanford hasn't been very good in recent years, but they've produced, obviously, plenty of NFL talent. And uh, Kelly's father, Brian Kelly, apparently played in the NFL over a decade, was a member of the 2002 Bucks defense that was good and actually led the league in interceptions that season. So he's got, obviously, you know, a biological pedigree in that way. And Stanford guy, he seems smart. I saw a tweet that was talking about his video game development and real estate development as well. So that's intriguing. He's apparently developing a video game about time travel or something. Uh, in! In! <laughs> so he seems like a guy who's got a lot going on. As for his pick, you know, fine. He's fifth-round cornerback. And that's, I guess, the thing that interests me the most with the pick is waiting until the fifth round to make it to, to select a cornerback, which I think, we, as we've said, um, is my number one problem area. And I wouldn't have been sad if the Ravens selected Joey Porter Jr. or Deontay Banks in the first round instead. Um, but instead, they waited until the fifth round. Um, obviously, took Robinson, took Simpson ahead of 
you know, guys are on the board. Keely Ringo was like hanging around for a while. Uh, they passed on him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's faith in the guys they drafted last year who they kind of threw into the fire early, got severely burned. And then, well, I think Armand Davis got hurt. Right. And then, uh, Kevin Williams, they pretty much relegated to special teams, it seems. So I don't know if it's just a hope they get better. But it does scare me a little bit waiting until the fifth round to draft a guy because you're not expecting you – can't, you can't expect a fifth-round rookie cornerback to help improve your team this much when you need this much improvement. So when it comes to Kelly, that's really – it's more – it's not about Kelly. It's, about, it's just about waiting that long to, to draft a corner – uh, and certainly if he's enough, I imagine they'll make a move, but I don't know. I, I Coming out of this draft, I know they didn't have a lot of picks, but still coming out of this draft with only one cornerback, I guess that kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, we, we will, uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that position group uh, in just a few minutes here on the pod because I agree with you wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. They have a lot of names, a lot of depth, and it's not very clear if they have a lot of talent, but we will get to that in a bit. Um, because first, we're bringing back the trivia game. Took a few weeks off. Time to bring it back. I'm up this week, and then we're going to get into our mock draft um, and the veteran, sort of veteran free agency post-draft period that the Ravens are often very active in. Um, but let's start with the trivia game, where we offer a box score, and our two co-hosts have to figure out who this player is and you kind of forget is it what the game was or what the who the just who the player is or just some kind of hybrid between the two i think we're still kind of i think it was just the player don't need to be that difficult (laughs) maybe maybe bonus point uh so this one coming from me is going to start difficult and then it's going to get easier um because that's how these clues that's how these clues work guys so i gotta make it harder for for jace too to not just get it off of the top clue um we've played this Three times, I've yet to score any points. Jace has six points. Tim has two points. Um, the points are staggered. If you're able to name the player after the first clue, you get five points. If you name him after the second clue, you get four points, and so on. So let's get started here. Um, the box score for this player, and dare I say this is impossible, but seven catches, 131 yards. Stop. <laughs> maybe maybe it's maybe it's impossible yes it is impossible um next clue i i'm assuming nobody has guesses to that one no next i'm clue. good good anthony wright yeah. had only one completion to this player in the first half of this game and this player then had six catches and 121 yards after halftime oh oh boy when jace is saying oh boy we know we're screwed clue number three this player also had by the way four touchdown receptions in this game ding 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 in the second half is this he has buzzed in is this Clarence Moore versus the Seahawks in the big comeback game? It is not Clarence Moore. Oh, no. For three, Tim had an opportunity there for three points. Can, Jason, can, in theory, it's still the three-point round. Yeah, I was going to say, can I make a guess? Why do I think Clarence Moore ever scored four touchdowns in a game? Oh, God. 
his nephew just played on the Ravens. This is Marcus Robinson. <laughs> it is Marcus Robinson in that Seahawks comeback. Tim misplacing um, the just random variety of bad Ravens wide receivers, which makes sense. Like, it's fine that you did that. There's so many of them. It is Marcus Robinson with the four touchdown, seven catch, 131 yard afternoon. Uh, my next clue was going to be this was the largest fourth quarter comeback in Ravens franchise history. It was Seahawks at Ravens in 2003. And it is still the largest fourth quarter comeback in franchise history. 44-41 overtime victory over the Seahawks. A very dumb game if you go back and look at the box score and how the <laughs> yeah, very touchdowns happen. A lot of one play uh, drives, <laughs> like one, one play touchdowns that are in the 50-yard plus variety. It was a mess of a game. Um, but the Ravens ended up winning. So Jace, whatever. Uh, well done again. Three points. Now, would you would you have gotten that, Jace, if I didn't say Seahawks? Would you have gotten it there? I don't doubt your ability to get it later in the in the the clues. Uh, I think I knew it with the four touchdowns. Okay. Um, but because uh, because I, 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 <laughs> I think I was thinking about that game as a potential because it's it's one of the most staggering stat lines in Ravens history. Like, just it has to be. Like, how many other players have even had a four-touchdown game? I don't know if we can look this up quickly in any way, but there has to be, like, no one else, right? Who would have caught four touchdowns in know. a single game for the Ravens? Uh, Antonio, I don't know if you have it handy. Do you, how many touchdowns in total did Marcus Robinson have that season for the Ravens? Was that, like, 90% of his season total in that game? <laughs> 2003, six touchdowns total. Oh, my God. In 15 games, four of them in one half of one game. That's insane. Um, you know, that was the only guys, year that he played for the Ravens also. I don't know if you guys remembered that game. I actually remember I was watching. I stopped watching it, actually, because the Ravens were getting blown out so bad. I was like, this stinks. And what, it was like sixth, seventh grade, whatever we were at the time. And so I went up and to like a friend's house just to like, you know, play football or hang out on a Sunday. And then we ended up like watching part of it in like a buddy's garage. His dad had it on TV, like a 12 inch screen in the garage as the Ravens, like as Ed Reed blocked that kick and stuff. So I don't know if I watched that whole thing live, but I saw bits and pieces of it. Very bizarre game. <laughs> very, very strange season. Very strange era of Ravens football. I mean, even just you saying it, like we had this whole conversation about Lamar Jackson. And it's like, remember when Anthony Wright was our starting quarterback? Like, oh my God. Times have changed. Playoff team. Good that team went to the playoffs yeah. with that. Should have won a playoff game. <laughs> this is why you sign your MVP quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Robinson, I don't know what's worse that he had four of his six touchdowns or 130 of his 450 total receiving yards oh my God. in one game. And he um, played 15 games, you said. 15 games that season for the Ravens. Fantastic. Oh Fantastic stuff. Um, but a victory for the Ravens. Uh, okay. So the score is now nine points for Jace, two points for Tim, and uh, still the big goose for, uh, for your host here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll do something. Any, any day now, I'll get some points. Um, let's turn to our mock draft, guys, because we have – I mean, it's so hard to get the player to the team at the spot especially when there's a bunch of trades in the first round, but we were pretty, we had pretty good instincts in a lot of different spots. Um, 
in this round. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Um, picking second, nailed the Stroud pick. Didn't didn't trust the rumors that they were not a team in desperate need of a franchise quarterback. Wasn't going to take one of the top franchise quarterbacks at two. Uh, they did take a top quarterback. They did go Stroud at two, um, and then just turn the world upside down, drafting, moving back in, and taking Anderson at three. We had the corners dropping a little bit, with the exception of of Witherspoon. We were right with that. Um, we had Richardson going very early. I think we had him at six in our mock, and he ends up going fourth to the Colts. Had Tim, I believe, had Darnell Wright just bang at 10. Nailed that one exactly. Um, you know, back to me. Let's keep the, the padding going. Had Broderick Jones to the Steelers. Bang. We're on top of that pick. Um, had the wide receiver run right at picks 20 to 23. We had that. I mean, not exactly right, but... The, the theme of those receivers all dropping, they ended up going four picks consecutively. Um, I'm, a, I'm a tiny bit nervous that Jordan Addison, who was picked one spot after Zay Flowers, I had him, I think, you know, a spot or two before the Ravens. I'm a little bit concerned that he ends up being the Pro Bowl wide receiver uh, out of this group, especially based on the Ravens' track record of picking receivers. But anyway, um, what do you guys think about how the mock draft went really compared to uh, to the actual results. We were just so close in so many things. I should have been bold and taken Richardson with the Colts. I think that's my biggest regret. I I believe the reporting that it was like basically a done deal. And um, I, I think, cause I think if we nail that we're even closer, but I mean, we're so like, uh, you know, we go Tyree Wilson at eight, he goes seven to the Raiders uh as we said the receivers we kind of had all in the right place Quentin Johnson went one pick uh we mocked him one pick later than he went he went to the Chargers obviously you know the Vikings took Addison right um and and so and um where we we gave them Addison they got Smith and Jigba so we were just so close I believe Brissy and Miles Murphy we literally just flipped those picks uh, in the late so we were very close on a lot of things and then even like giving the Lions Michael Mayer they traded down and then they took a tight end in the second round but they took Sam Laporta like we we were very close I think in a lot of like needs and stuff but the, the draft's just so unpredictable obviously the big thing and the big story of the draft compared to Arbach too we have Levis at four. He falls out of the first round entirely. He he was the he was certainly the story of night one, I would say. But on the whole, I, I'm I'm pretty I was pretty impressed with the the draft, the the picks we nailed, and then you know the the player the players we had in, in specific positions. Obviously, no one can prepare you for the Lions trading down uh, from six to twelve, and then taking Jameer Gibbs. Uh, no, no one can prepare you for that. I didn't believe that Bijan would truly go in the top ten, and he did. Um, I just seemed like the Falcons had so many other needs, but you know, some people had that in their box as well. Um, but on the whole, yeah, I think we did good. It was just mainly the Levis thing. I think was certainly the defining feature, the defining turning point of our draft because we have the first three picks correct to the players anyway, in the spots, and then uh, Levis not going four and not going in the first round entirely. That was definitely the night one storyline. Yeah, you mentioned it already. I think the we kind of having the corners dropping a bit too. Uh, you know, we had Witherspoon going 11 to the Titans. Obviously, he is the one that ends up going early, and Pete Carroll's chewing gum faster than any man ever has when because he, he's so excited about the Witherspoon pick. 
like play like plays like with the soul of cam chancellor how did we not realize that guy was a seahawk but then after that we kind of nailed the drop a little bit you know at least generally obviously emmanuel forbes is the surprise going 16 to the uh to the washington commanders if you don't know if you didn't listen to last week's episode that's how we had mocked the ravens after a trade down at 25 we had christian gonzalez at 13 he went 17 and a lot of people had him in top 10 like lock top 10 you know i i personally made a financial investment in him being the first corner off the board because i like the odds and obviously that did not work out joey porter jr fell to the second round and of course he's a pittsburgh Steeler, and that's incredibly annoying um yeah, I think just overall, just a couple of things on the draft in general, too. Um, I think the lack of, first of all, the, the, we've said it a, a, a bunch. I cannot stress how much more fun the draft was with the Lamar news, where it was just like every time they were talking about the Ravens, it was just celebrating. I was like, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't felt this feeling in a very long time. And then as, as someone who was purely observing and had stake in one team in the entire thing, a draft like this that's so uncertain was very fun. CJ Stroud wasn't supposed to go two until like 30 minutes before the draft when it automatically got locked in and all the lines moved in a ridiculous way. And then the Texans just go, screw it. And they trade up to three and take Will Anderson. And like, if they're bad next year, if they're like really, really bad next year, the Cardinals could be picking one and two next year based <laughs> on the picks that they had. There was a mock today released, like you're way too early mock that, that showed that. They, they pick C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, who we had going 2-3, but they're both on the Texans now. You know, Anthony Richardson going 4 really blew things open with Will Levis not going, Hendon Hooker not going. You know, we thought a bunch of quarterbacks were going to be taken. The uncertainty of this draft was very, very cool. Um, I really, really enjoyed that part. The thing I did not enjoy was by every stretch of the imagination, you know, people are talking a lot about the Eagles. I have no disdain for the eagles i kind of like the eagles nfc team not in our conference also a bird also from a city that uh you know kind of has a chip on its shoulder is like you know we're the blue collar team and y'all never give us any attention philly we give you plenty of attention but like we get it (laughs) we get it as baltimore fans we understand i kind of like that same just hard-nosed kind of a-hole mentality that they bring sometimes um but the eagles clearly had a good draft everybody knows it i hate that the steelers had like a really good draft like objectively had a good draft um broderick jones whatever i don't know enough about tackles but you know you assume that he's gonna be pretty good joey porter jr in the second round like they just had to do it they had to take the former steeler uh, the 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 son of the steeler great who you know is gonna be good because it's the freaking steelers and then they take darnell washington in the third round who if he was dropping to the third round and like somebody else took him be like, man, that guy, man, didn't test out. Well, he really is going to be a bust. The Steelers took him. I'm like, okay, that man is going to wreck our lives for the next 10 years. Imagine Trenton Simpson, undersized tackle who or linebacker who doesn't know how to tackle trying to tackle Darnell Washington for the next five years. It's not going to be fun guys. It's not going to be fun. Hated this. I love the draft. I love this draft. I thought it was really, really entertaining. Hate the Steelers were having a good one. One more thing I uh, want to focus on is the Lions. <laughs> People love them. I, I, Jace's a fan. Tim's a huge fan. I don't have any bone. They're like the Eagles to me. I don't dislike. I have no reason to dislike them. But my goodness, when presented with an opportunity, I really think they just lionsed so hard. Um, they take 
the second running back off the board at 12. You know who we didn't mock in our first round is Jack Campbell in the first round. That's because he had a grade of like in the 50s of an overall ranking of where that, that could have been late second round, could have been early third round, and the Lions take him at 18 overall. Let me give you some context. Uh, try to, you know, always keeping it Ravens related. The Ravens gave up a second round pick and a fifth round pick for a proven all pro inside linebacker. The Lions then spent a top 20 pick on an unproven one who they could have gotten 40 picks later. I just, their defense has been, look, it's not about the board. It's not about what other people think. It's, we see a player that's going to help us. We're going to take him. Great. That's also BS because if that's a third round guy, you can move back. You can trade 18 and take two picks in the second round. And then you get them in one of those second round picks. And then you have an extra pick and you can do whatever you want to do. That was crazy to me. The taking the running back at 12, it's another situation. They did so well by trading back from six, I believe it was from six to 12, right? They were the ones yeah, that were yeah. originally at pick six. Correct. Yep. And then they take the second back. Who else was taking a running back in the first well, round after Robinson is gone? I just, they could have continued. They had this stockpile of picks and they could have continued to just build it, build it, build it. And then maybe use, maybe, you know, you have too many of these second rounders, first rounders, whatever, going into 2024, into 2025. Great. Guess what you end up doing? You package them together and you trade them for a superstar. That's also an option. You don't have to just stay where you're at. And they did it twice at picks that they could have, I think, made in both instances an entire round at least later than they did it. And it's frustrating. They deserve a good team. That city deserves a good franchise. <laughs> and they've been let down again. The, the Gibbs thing to me is just especially kind of confounding. Well, they, A, they just drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round a few years ago. So things seem to be souring with that relationship. But... Well, to the to the point that he's gone. He's an eagle now. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. They, they traded him. I forgot about that because uh, that happened. I didn't actually work on Saturday. Right. My apologies on that. But, yeah. So, but, like um, – but like if you so if you're but you and they signed David Montgomery, but if you're so convinced that like you need a running back, just take Bijan at six. Just take the best guy. I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. And I considered taking him maybe in the back end of the mocks we were doing. I thought he might yeah. slip into the first round. Um, but I did not see him going in the top 15, certainly. And I don't think most people did. And so that's where I don't get it. It's like, yeah, the trade down's nice, but it's like yeah, we traded down and got what everyone agrees is the second best running back. And it's like, well, if you were going to take a running back that high, just take the best one at six. Can you not imagine the, their draft room being like, we're going we're gonna to just play this game. We're going to chess it here. We're going to move from six to 12, and we're going to take Bijan at 12, and we're going to add draft capital. And then he goes at eight, and they go, oh, crap. <laughs> Like punch the button for running back anyway, as opposed to just like we'll have to we have to adjust here. We'll get another running back later. We're gonna be fine. Not with running back two. Oh my gosh! So okay, Detroit team. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and defend the Lions because you can come back at me with (laughs) all the points that you just made, and they would still be valid. That being said, first round disaster. Like we should we should you know mention in this as well like we don't really know jack campbell could turn out to be like dick buckus (laughs) 2.0 and then we're like oh wait never mind dan campbell knew what he was doing um 
if you take their first four picks, and I'm going to leave out Hendon Hooker, who they took at 68 overall, who I know a lot of people like Hendon Hooker. A lot of people think that offense, uh, Josh Heupel's offense at Tennessee is fake, and they don't like Hendon Hooker because he's old, he's coming off a knee, and he ran a fake offense that didn't make him process anything. He just threw the ball deep and watched those guys fly down the field, which, you know, whatever. Have your opinion on that. Their first four picks are Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama, Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa, Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa, and Brian Branch, the defensive back out of Alabama. If you just flip those four <laughs> picks and Brian Branch goes at 12, Sam Laporta goes at 18 to be like, it's, it's Brian Branch goes at 12. You know, maybe a bit of a reach, but a good, solid player, really strong, can play in that slot, really, you know, was a great player for Alabama's defense. A bit of a reach, but I could see people having him there. 18, Sam Laporta. Wow, it seems like kind of a reach for a tight end with Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, but maybe that's the guy they like the most. You know, he's not he's not your big physical tight end uh, like Mayer is, but he doesn't have the injury concerns of a Kincaid. Iowa loves pumping out uh, tight ends, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson and the like. You know, we'll, Noah Fant, I believe, also went to Iowa. Maybe Sam Laporte. It might be a bit of a reach, but not that big of a shock. Then you get Jameer Gibbs with the 34th overall pick. Or no, excuse me, Jack Campbell with the 34th overall pick. Okay, like... Good, pretty good value there, I think, for for what he's supposed to be. And then Jameer Gibbs at 45, what a steal. This guy's going to be a dog for them. Like, if you just flip their four picks, it actually ends up looking like an okay draft. Now, <laughs> this is hindsight 2020, and Antonio's exactly right. Well, then trade the picks back, what have you, try and get more value. Totally get all of that. But night one was a disaster, you know, for all of us who want to grade this stuff immediately. After night two, and I don't know enough about the people in night three, but after night two, you're kind of looking like, all right, Lions, like maybe you tripped on the way up the stairs, but you regained your balance and you didn't fall on your face. I I like it. I I take it. You know, this is like a debate uh, debate team going back and (laughs) forth. I take that. But even if. Even if Campbell is Dick Butkus, like they, you could have just gotten him later. Yeah, then, no, I know. Even yeah, better, yeah. even more proud that you had gotten Dick Butkus. And this is and, and this is how you win the argument because I literally have no response to that. Uh, but we will see. I, you know, I, I want, I like small, you know, quote unquote, small market teams. We, we, we're all O's fans. You know, they have to deal with that with playing against bigger cities and bigger teams and whatever. Teams that are lower down want, in the division right now. You mean? You mean the teams that suck right now compared correct. to the O's? Correct. Uh, Tim's going to hit his over wins for that uh, before the before the season turns to summer. He's going to smoke that. Um, but yeah, I I, I want to see Detroit do well in a wide open NFC North uh, this coming season. Um, okay, the last thing to talk about the 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 Ravens specialty veteran free agency period after the draft as of today as we're recording uh, on May first. Additions made from now on do not count free agent additions, I should say, do not count against the compensatory pick formula. So your Baltimore Ravens will be active uh, and they have some needs still, obviously, as we have discussed, corner, a veteran edge rusher, maybe even running back. Um, Let's start with corners because we've talked about that. We teased it a little while ago. In all this optimism in every position group being solidified, in our corner quarterback being signed for the long term the cornerback room is last year's wide receiver room uh in my opinion 
I, I think I said it three different times in last offseason that we were one Rashad Bateman hamstring away from disaster, and it got way worse than disaster halfway through the season. Yeah. This year at the moment, we are one Marlon Humphrey anything injury from disaster, a la late 2021 when Robert Jackson, that's right, Robert Jackson was the starting corner on the Ravens in December. It's Marlon Humphrey and everybody else. Brandon Stevens, we've seen flashes, great. Jalen Armour Davis, saw him at the beginning of the year and then just kind of forgot about him. They just locked him in the attic and said, we'll see, we'll see him next season. Uh, Pepe Williams, Demarion Williams, whatever, he's there. Uh, Blue Kelly, Kelly Blue Book, I, I don't really know his first <laughs> name yet, so we'll work on that. Daryl Worley, Kevon Seymour, we, those names we have gotten all too familiar with. <laughs> Uh, Trayvon Mullen, and then uh, I, I want to say Bo Pete. I don't think it's that Bo Pete. He's I, I don't Bo know Pete. who that is. <laughs> Bo Pete. I love that, but I don't know who that is. This is a room with players in it, a lot of young guys, and not a lot of starts and not a lot of quality starts. And I'm terrified. They need not one guy in this room. They need two, and I'm hoping it's a couple of veterans. It's probably going to be some, you know undrafted guys as well undrafted free agents but can we solve this in this round of talent that is now available um or are we going to get to september still saying still with major concerns about this position group uh i'm i'll I'll make this quick because i don't really want to talk about the guys that are still in the market and stuff because frankly i just don't know enough about all these nfl free agents or what have you i mean rock sin is the guy they keep being linked to from the Raiders, uh, my dumb football brain goes Raider defense bad. Raiders defense bad. He probably bad. Why sign him? Uh, but yeah, they they need. I Antonio, I completely agree. They need two veterans in this room before the season kicks off. And frankly, I'd call it the overwhelming optimism on this episode. I think they do to get that done. They have more cap space now than they have had all off season. The comp picks thing is a real thing with Eric DaCosta now, knowing that that won't affect his comp uh, comp picks. I think they go and make some moves. And I think the Lamar Jackson signing frees up a lot of guys too. A lot of guys go, oh, you guys have that guy in the building now? I want to come win a championship with you and play with this dynamic team. So I think it gets done. Yeah, I mean, this is the big problem area. And, you know, last year I thought the room looked pretty good and we saw how quickly it, you know, Kyle Fuller tears his ACL week one, unfortunately. Like these guys just get hurt all the time, it seems. Um, so I am concerned, as Tim said, uh, the two guys uh, Zarebek had reported the Ravens have kept in touch with were, as he said, Rock Yassin, who seems like he's going to be on this team as much as he keeps being brought up. So, sure. Uh, but then the other name he brought up that intrigued me was Marcus Peters. Remember him? <laughs> you guys heard of this guy? Uh, the fact that they were still talking with him. And I've heard almost nothing from anyone regarding what Peters might do. So, I don't know. Maybe they find it, you know, as, as we just said, like maybe with some extra money here because of Lamar's deal, they go back to the table with Peters. They find a deal that works for both sides. They clearly like him, even though I think he can frustrate the coaches at times. Uh, and is not afraid to make his disagreements known, but uh, um, yeah. So it seems like it's Rocky. Sid, Marcus Peters potential return, which, you know, Maybe Peters is great. Two years back from his injury, maybe maybe that maybe that's all you need. But um, 
yeah, for now, I am very concerned. <laughs> I'm with you, Antonio. I, you know, I we were we remember Joe Burrow's 500 yard game. That was that was tough. That was that was a bad look. Uh, and yeah, um, as you said, it's pretty much a Marlon and Humphrey injury away from that just happening again, as it looks right now. So I think they make a move. It seems like Rocky sends a lock. So I'm sure we'll talk about him, him probably officially in a few weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know where else they look, but they got to do something because yeah, this is the number one problem area coming at the draft. I'm a little surprised they didn't do more at the draft. Not that I'm mad they picked flowers, but um, the more we had gotten closer to it, the more I just have been concerned with this corner situation. And I do think it's something they need to address because if they don't, it's going to bite them. They faced Deshaun Watson twice a year. They faced Joe Burrow twice a year. Um, who's their biggest problem. And even Kenny Pickett, you know, he, he, he somehow had that stupid comeback on him late in the season last year, and maybe he develops into a better player. So um, they have to place all those guys twice a year and all the other guys in the AFC that are good. So they got to, if you, if you want to defeat a Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs, or you want to defeat perhaps Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, you got to have quarterbacks. So they got to do something. The flashbacks of the Kenny Pickett to Najee Harris touchdown is never going to, that's never going to die in my brain, which is one of the reasons that I like the Simpson pick is that he can kind of guard some of these guys, you know, these linebacker who can cover a little bit. So that's good to see. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, They will add a running back who plays in the summer and the preseason and then inevitably gets cut um, (laughs) because they only have three on the roster right now. And then at edge, Who's going to be the veteran this year that they sign late? Houston, a free agent. Um, Probably Justin Houston. Yeah, I was going to say, they seem to like him, so I wouldn't be shocked if they just get him back on the phone in, in August and say, or July and say, Justin, you interested? And he goes, sure. I am available. Um, but yeah, the, the, the veteran pass rusher is another situation with, as Tim is mentioning, like this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender with uh, entrenched star quarterback and that matters i wish calais campbell were still a free agent that we could turn back to him and say if he was interested in the last ride with the ravens again but um yeah boy boy do i feel better today than i did the last time we recorded a week (laughs) ago uh a team with purpose a team with identity a team with fewer issues and holes than it had one week ago just a couple of little tweaks i think that need to be made and I'm going to spend the summer trying to convince my co-hosts that a future, a pod like a Raven future uh, on the Ravens winning the Super Bowl <laughs> is a mandatory wager. Um, Spoiler alert, I already took it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, anything else, guys, before we, before we close out on a monumental week in, uh, in Ravens history, dare I say? Yeah, just I'm excited to not have Lamar contract updates. I feel like we've been talking about this on and off for like literally almost two years now. So um, that's nice. That's nice to not have, not have to deal with, not have to think about. Um, and yeah, it just gets back to football and, you know, the, the, the all the football concerns we have with Lamar, the let's complete the pass on the short out, all that kind of stuff. Uh just gets back to normal football things and not having to complain about his contract and the negotiations and the Ravens looking like fools and all this and that. And, uh, um, it was annoying, but we got to the right result and yeah, I'm excited. It, it was 
and a fun draft with the Lamar news in, in the rear view. And yeah, I'm just ex- now I'm like for the first time, certainly I wasn't this excited for the season last year. Um, and that that's exciting. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to opening day. I can't wait to complain about like left guard play. <laughs> and like, like Jay said, why did they run that play on third and four? And like, why is the defense playing Ben not break again? And why are they letting teams back in even though they win by 10? Like, bring on all of that stress because the main stress, the real stress, is gone. Lamar Jackson is a Baltimore Raven for the next five seasons, and we're going to win some Super Bowls, baby. Love it. That's the perfect close. We're going to take a, two, a, a week, a two-week break. You know, we, we've covered – we don't have to wait. We don't have to hold our breath for the Lamar stuff. So that's done. The draft is done. Um, they will make maybe some marginal free agent moves. So we will very likely come back to you uh, on May 16th uh, in, in two weeks, um, pending further developments. But, boy, as Tim said, we got them. Let's go win some Super Bowls. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.